Uh, very good afternoon to you. You are welcome to the Thursday edition of the show. I only do that to annoy the Caroline Clark. She always makes a face like, you know, somebody's pooped. Uh, 53106 is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.ie. Our guest in the studio to kick things off uh, is our old pal Pete, uh, Pete the Vet Wedderburn. Pete, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Uh, what do you think about this councillor, Ned O'Sullivan? He doesn't like uh, Dublin. Seagulls <laughs> says they're raucous, they're common, uh, they're they're probably you know just scangers basically scanger seagulls uh, all di- over doing they're different to the Kerry seagulls. <laughs> I'd, I'd say which are far more better behaved. <laughs> it must be said, but with a funny accent. I used to live in a house though. I must say, I used to live in a house where um, the seagulls were noisy and mm. annoying, and I did grow to hate them. I, 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 and I'm not proud to admit that. I don't want to hate any living thing or, or a person. But seagulls, they're just ignorant and loud and stupid. I, they are unbelievably stupid. I, I don't think they're stupid. I think they're really intelligent. I think that's part of the problem is they learn. You mean they're acting stupid. They, yeah. <laughs> well, they, 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 they learn how to get little rewards from us humans by raiding our bins and by sneaking up to us and stealing sandwiches and lollipops and all that sort of stuff. They're really smart. And um, the problem is that doesn't make them very popular as, as we're discovering. Mm. But I don't know what you can do about it, really. Um, you know, uh, stop rewarding them, stop providing them with scraps and uh, and treats. The thing is, people quite like doing that. They like throwing um, food for birds and so on. And, you know, uh, they, they don't realise that they're actually encouraging the problem for other people when they do that. Yeah, I, well, I suppose now because in, in say, in, in Hoth, where... You know, because of the fishing and all the rest mm. of it, there's a natural, uh, there's a huge kind of population of seagulls who were just sure. there, uh, sure. just eaten away. But <clears throat> do they have to start squawking at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and fighting bird. at four o'clock in the morning? Well, that's what birds do, do you know? Um, just because we're diurnal creatures doesn't mean that we should expect every other animal to be the same, do you no. know? It's true. I, I must say, I, I <laughs> live and let live. That's what I say. Live I know if live. they let me live or like, like get a good night's sleep, then I'm more than happy to let them live. Uh, buy some but earplugs. Buy some earplugs. Why can't they just shut up then? How about that? <laughs> for an answer. And I was saying that just before we came on, on air, when I lived in that house, there were, there were neighbours out the back who every now and again would uh, open the Velix ro- uh, window and they had some sort of pellet gun and would occasionally take pot shots at, oh, the, no. at the. I think it was just, I don't think it was going to hurt, you know kill them but it was it just sounds like, it sounds like it might a pellet gun kills, kills animals can it? oh absolutely yeah. we regularly see cats that have been shot it's terrible ah yeah. now that's actually sick mm. yeah I just took it like the, just, they were just doing it to kind of let off some emotional steam well I don't, a, that's not very fair <laughs> if it kills a seagull is it? no I don't know I, well I didn't witness them killing any seagulls mm. I, I, I must admit though in my anger I was mildly Admiring of what they were doing, mm. I was, I was, but I was, I was very sleep deprived. It was a bad I, time. I, I go as far as water pistols. You know, that's maybe okay. You can get powerful water pistols nowadays. That's a good idea. And, and they, yeah. they give, they give, they give, they would give the seagulls a little bit of a fright, but they wouldn't be any worse than a, maybe a wave crashing down in the sea near them. So it's kind of half natural, if you know what I mean. Mm. And um, well, you know, um, that w- wouldn't hurt them. So you know, if, if you really feel angry and you want to express that anger and do something, well. Be- far, far better that than, yeah. than than physically injuring the creatures. Could you use a, an ice cube oh. it, and a catapult? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think I'd like to be hit by an ice cube with a catapult. Actually, no, much, that would so. probably hurt. Actually, yeah, yeah that so. would that would give you a, a bad clatter. It's a lovely day today, of course. Uh, and d- how hot do dogs get in this kind of weather? Do they get as hot or hotter than the rest of us do? Given well, uh, well they can't take off their clothes. 
you know yeah we can take off we can we can strip down to to singlets and shorts and be kept really comfortable by doing that whereas dogs are landed with these thick fur coats especially some breeds like you know the ones that have been designed for for cold countries and we make them live in this country and in hot summers they really can suffer a lot so mm. um yeah I, I feel sorry for dogs in the heat can you do anything to, to kind of help them a bit especially mm. a, the big a, furry ones there's a lot that can be done i i think the, the big furry ones some people choose to clip their short their coats short you know mm. take them to a dog groomer get electric clippers and off comes the coat so i've seen golden retrievers for example with skinheads which is a kind of weird <laughs> concept they don't look anything <laughs> like golden retrievers anymore oh god yeah um and um but then then uh, there are other people who claim that breeds like huskies with very really thick coats as well they would claim that those coats should never be clipped off because they actually act as sort of insulation to keep the cool in as well as keeping you know keep the heat out and that they they have an effect like that and i'm not sure about that but that's certainly what people claim Mm. so you you wouldn't really be saying you should clip off those kind of dogs those those dense coated dogs like that i think more important perhaps than 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 trying to get the fur off what's more important is to give them opportunities to stay cool so um you know make sure that your dog is somewhere shady um you know if you often around the side of the house um in the shade and the cool concrete that's enough for a lot of dogs Mm. ireland isn't a country where it's so hot that the shade is is you know yeah um, simmering heat usually and make sure they've always got plenty of fresh water the dogs lose heat by panting um, and that may, that uses up lots of water because the, the um, fluid is evaporating from the tongue all the time so if they don't replace that um, that, that water then they, they, they get dehydrated and they can't lose heat anymore because they're so dehydrated so giving your dog plenty of fresh water and um, plenty of sh- shade they can lie around in that's probably the most important thing and also exercise them at different times of the day I've said this before Early in the morning and late in the evening, um, the environmental temperature is nice and cool. And that means that when a dog exercises, um, if they do generate extra body heat, as they're likely to do with their muscles working so hard, um, that extra body heat doesn't add to an already hot dog. And so, you know, they're mm. not likely to get into, into trouble. But if they're panting, is is that necessarily a sign that they're, they're, they're perhaps starting to no, dehydrate? N- no, panting is good. Panting mm. is what dogs do to lose heat, so it's normal for a dog to heat to, to pant. Right, it's normal. Uh, obviously, not all the time. Like one of the signs of heat stroke <laughs> is a dog that can't stop panting and can't walk because it's just panting so much and so hot. So, because yeah, uh, you get the impression there are some dogs that seem to pant all the time. They're the, you know those big drooly St. Bernard type dogs. Yeah, but that well, could be just because they just feel warmer. Well, it's, it's probably part of the reason. I think part of the reason is some dogs just kind of, it's their default thing is they like a little bit of a pant, do you know? They mm. just, and, just, you know, who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you ask Pete a question for me? My friend's child wants to get a meerkat. I'm advising against it as I think it's unsuitable uh, for, for the animal. What is uh, his view? Many thanks. P.S. Seagulls are a pain when you're in the park. Um, a lot of anti-seagull texts, mm. by the way. Uh, anyway, meerkat. Um, no. No, no. Meerkats are cute in cartoons and even on wildlife photography. They look like adorable little creatures, but they're wild animals. They're not mm. designed to be kept as pets. And I, I, I'm afraid I'm quite traditional when it comes to what I think about pet keeping. And I think that pets that have been domesticated for hundreds of years 
um, you know, they they they've calmer temperaments. They they've been that they're, if you like, genetically used to being kept as pets, to living in close proximity with humans. And we know that they can fit in well with us and that we can fulfill all their, all their behavioural needs and all that sort of stuff. If you catch wild animals and try and keep them in captivity, it's not the right thing for the animals. They're designed to be living in the wild, and that's where they should be left. Mm. Could a meerkat be dangerous? I think any wild animal has, has more potential to be dangerous than a pet because, mm. you know, they're... They, they just—they've got wild genes. Their 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 um, their heritage tells them stay away from humans, and if humans approach them, to be aggressive to them. Now, I'm not saying that there's—I think there's lots of wild animals that seem to have tamed down very nicely, and people keep them as pets. And you know, for those people and those individual animals, maybe it's working out. But I think it's the wrong policy as a general thing for people to do. So if mm. you haven't started doing it, don't do it. Yeah, and and I suppose this, the whole meerkat thing is because of those adverts. And yeah. Uh, they're cute, and, and you know they're cute, and then you bring yeah. it home and you find out it's not so cute uh, when it's pooping all over the place and, <laughs> and a bit cranky. Uh, and, uh, and I suppose then there might be a temptation for people to uh, just dump them someplace. Well, and then you get other problems like like um, them being you know becoming um, pests in the Irish ecosystem and you know all those kinds of things. So yeah. Uh, Paul in Ballybox says we have a small terrier type, and the past couple of days she has lost her bark, and at night has a type of whooping cough. Well, she may have a version of kennel cough, which is a really common bug that we see in the summer months. And it's basically, it's a combination of a virus and a bacteria. And it um, it basically attacks the lining of the throat and larynx, and it causes it to become red and sore and inflamed. And the result for the dog that owners notice is often that they, maybe they lose their voice and often they cough as well. Mm. They would... The most common thing is people actually think their pet's got something stuck in its throat. It's that kind of kind of um, trying to get something out of their throat yeah. cough. But it's just an irritation of the of the throat, um, and it's caused by, like I say, a combination of a virus and a bacteria. Nothing will kill the virus, but their antibiotics will kill the bacteria. So, um, if you go to the vet with a dog like that, a course of antibiotics will probably get the bark back. Right. Okay. And in Monaghan says, my dog is happy lying on my bed right now while I listen to the radio. He is very cool. Sure he is. Yeah, every, a cool but. bedroom is a good place to be as well on a hot day, isn't it? Yeah. Like I say, in Ireland, we don't, you know, we don't need air conditioning because the general environmental temperature rarely goes up so high that it's a problem. It's usually just in full sunlight or in an enclosed area like a car or a conservatory. Yeah. Is leaving them like in that. a car always a no-no? Always, I'm afraid, yeah. yeah. You just can't take the chance. You mm. might think you're going to nip into the shop for two minutes and you might think it's going to be okay, but next thing you get distracted, something takes longer than you thought, and um, every summer I see dogs dying from being left in the car and the owners are always devastated because they didn't mean to do it. Yeah. God. Uh, Seagulls are smarter than us. That's really what the problem is, uh, says Michael. It might be. Uh, And someone else says, I watched seagulls stalking a heron while he fished and when the heron had filled his gut with fish and flew away, the gulls attacked till the heron regurgitated the fish and the gulls ate them up. That's smart. Yeah. If not, if not very classy, but certainly <laughs> smart. Right, we'll take a break. Back in a couple of minutes. 53106 is our text number. That will cost you 30 cent. Now, uh, some, as you may know, there are certain places where you can, when you're parking your car, you can send a text uh, and that kind of pays for your parking. Uh, sometimes people accidentally send it to the wrong number. They send it to us. Somebody just uh, texted us, park yellow 180. It's an 11 MH uh, reg number. Now, the, unfortunately, the, prob- the, the likelihood is you've just left your car and uh, you're not listening to the radio anymore. Uh, but it's Park Yellow 180 11MH. Uh, if that rings a bell with you, you've texted to the wrong people. Or we we'll, might give you a call. 
that's what we'll do. Yeah, why didn't we think of that? And uh, we'll uh, maybe send you back uh, to the car. Pete Wedderburn uh, is still with us. Uh, also, this is the time of the year. Now, you, did, you know, you didn't mention the answer to one of those questions about kennel cough. Mm. Uh, when, when people, as people might, send their dogs off to kennels because they're going on holidays, mm. is it more likely they might catch something there? Yeah, that's why it's called kennel cough, because it's a bug which is highly infectious. Um, if a dog coughs, it'll fill the room with little particles of this bug. Um, and so that means that if um, if there's an outbreak of the cough in a boarding kennel, it'll go from dog to dog to dog to dog very, very quickly indeed. Mm. And that's why um, nearly all boarding kennels would insist that all dogs going in are vaccinated against kennel cough before they arrive so they're protected against the bug. Otherwise, they could have all the dogs going home with a really horrible cough and that's what they want to avoid. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Now, and is there a way of... When you before you send, you know you can pardon the pun. Can you vet a kennel before you send your your, your pet there? I, I, you definitely can, and I think you should do um, because there's lots of excellent kennels out there that it's more like your dog going on holiday to a spa than than a dog going to a to a boarding kennel. Mm. But there are also ones that aren't so good that more or less just look after your dog in an enclosed space and, until it's ready to be collected. So it does the quality, if you like, varies hugely. So I'd always say go and look around first. Um, and also um, do a trial weekend, ideally, just to make sure your dog comes back in, in good form and so on. It's a bad time of year to, to do that sort of research, though, because all boarding kennels really are chock-a-block, especially the good ones. Mm. From now onwards, they're really, really busy, and it's very hard to get to get them to give you the extra time and space to do the sort of research you'd like to do. So I'd really be saying to you, you know, April, May, June, you should really be doing that sort of stuff getting yeah. these lined up for the summer. So are there any alternatives? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's. I think I briefly mentioned it last time. Mm. A really interesting alternative is something called housemydog.com. It's, uh, it's a website, so what you do there is you have... The idea is your dog is housed by, in somebody else's house. So instead yeah. of putting your dog into a boarding kennel where it's kept in an enclosed area um, that's not it's not used to, it goes into somebody else's home, which is much more like what your dog expects as part of his daily routine so mm. you know he wakes up in his own basket stretches looks around the kitchen goes a little sniff under the table to see if there are any crumbs that have been dropped um then goes out with a human for a little walk and you know they basically a dog in somebody else's house can have exactly the same routine as it has in its own house so housemydog.com is a new way whereby you link up with people who are prepared to take their dogs into your house and treat them as their own dogs while you're away. Mm. And it works for people in that way, and it also works for people who maybe want to make some cash over the summer holidays, maybe students, especially people with animal experience, like vet students or vet nurse students. They can offer their services to people to mind their pets in their homes. Mm. And so the website really acts as a kind of bridge between those two groups of people. It's a great idea. It's really taken off in the States in a huge way. Mm. Um, Like, there's millions of people in the States now. That's what they do when they go in a holiday. They go to housemydog.com and they get their pets organised with, with regular families that care for them. It would seem to actually be a better option because it's less disruption for the pet. It, it would seem logical to me mm. that if your dog likes living in your home, he's more likely to like living in somebody else's home mm. than he is to like living in a boarding kennel. But then some dogs love their boarding kennels, that's for sure. I think it very much depends on the dog and on the kennel. Um, and the, the idea is you should plan in advance again. You wouldn't just find a pet sitter through housemydog.com and um, just off you go for two or three weeks. You would do a trial evening, first of all, make mm. sure your dog likes the person. You might even do a trial weekend as well. So you should plan these things in advance. The thing is, a lot of people nowadays actually treat their dogs like little people, like children, really. And so in the same way as you wouldn't just send your child off 
for uh, for two weeks with, with with some friends or some relatives, you know, you wouldn't just say off you go and you haven't met them. You have to be careful and plan it. <laughs> well, you haven't met them once. Five minutes, <laughs> actually, as well, because you know, dogs can dogs are not weird in the sense, but some dogs seem to be more sociable than others. So some dogs will enjoy going to a kennel and hanging out with other dogs. Yeah, there are other dogs that just don't want to do that. You're right. And, yeah, and and um, there are, I know lots of people who will never go away on holidays because they're so worried about what to do with their dog. So if you knew there was a person who loved your dog the same way as you love your little dog, um, and there's going to be none of this strange stuff with other dogs and with um, you know um, dogs barking around and mm. all sort of stuff, you might be much happier. So things like how's my dog is that there are, there are ways of giving people more more um, more options, I suppose, and. Everything with animals nowadays, I'd be saying, look, do it on an individual basis. Assess the individual animal and organise things in that way, rather than just making a blanket rule for every yeah. dog. Actually, somebody's texting to say, I take my cat on Irish holidays, travelling only via car, and he seems to enjoy it. No signs of stress in the car or at self-catering places we stay in. It's really quite unusual, because most yeah. cats are more sort of linked to the to their home and to the building and their immediate social environment rather than to the people. So that's a bit of an unusual cat. Yeah, but um, unusual as well, because like, you'd wonder how many, well, I suppose, yeah, this person is saying self-catering places. Are there many holiday, you know, B&Bs that say you can bring your cat or bring your dog? Well, it's relatively a lot more, rare. It's a lot more dog-friendly places now, um, but I think cats are a, a different story because people are a bit warier about cats. They think about cats peeing in wrong places and things like that, mm. and, you know, they... they um, cats aren't generally as biddable as dogs. Cats do their own thing more. Yeah. But then, like a, it's a bit like I was saying about individual dogs, you have to treat cats individuals. Some cats uh, would be absolutely chilled and delighted like that cat that they're describing just to mm. go along with their owners. Other cats can think of nothing worse. So you just have to assess assess them on, on their own merits. So in general terms, if a dog you know, is trained not to pee in the house and mm. a, a cat is trained not to pee in the house... Then they just won't do that. Or if you move a cat to a different location, will they say, sell this? Well, cats are more likely to pee in the wrong place when they get stressed. Yeah. It's a thing okay. that cats do. They... <laughs> yeah, pretty... don't never annoy a cat. Uh, Paul <laughs> says, my dog is 12 and his tummy is swollen. He drinks lots of water all the time. Any thoughts? Cushing's disease. That's a classical sign of Cushing's disease, which is also called hyperadrenocorticism. So, like, I can't make a diagnosis on the radio yeah, like of course, that. Yeah. But if I was a vet and somebody brought me brought an animal to me with that, that's one of the first things I'd think about. And I would take lots more information about the, the story behind the dog, take a urine sample and a blood sample, and you'd make a diagnosis. And once you've done that, you can treat the dog, and the pot belly will shrink down to normal, and the thirst will return to normal as okay. well. Okay. Is it a fairly common disease? It's very common. One of the more common hormonal disorders, yeah. Right. Sure. There, uh, there are a few uh, whispers uh, um, uh, in terms of predicting the weather. We might be getting a bit of thunder and lightning. Mm. Uh, that really freaks out some animals. Is uh, there anything you can do to kind of calm things down for them? Well, if your dog is like that, what you should do is you should do something called sound therapy, which is basically buying a CD with the sound of thunder on it mm. and then playing it very quietly in the background and gradually increasing the noise over weeks and months. Um, it's kind of an extreme thing to do, but if your dog, you know, like you don't really want your house filled with the sound of thunder from, from weeks and months, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but if you've got a dog that's totally spooked by those things, then that's kind of the technical, technically correct way of, of dealing with it. Yeah, yeah it's just sure. getting them getting them used to it. Yeah, because yeah. if you overdo it, then they'll freak out if there's silence. Well, then, <laughs> the uh, there's also uh, something uh, you wanted to mention about whiskers oh, and, yeah. and what they're doing with tigers. Yeah, basically, a lot of folk probably don't realise this, but the, there's a real 
global issue with tigers. The population of tigers has reduced by 95% in the last century. There's only 3,000 tigers left. 3,000. So anyway, um, the World Wildlife Fund is working to increase that and they're doing a project aiming to double the number of tigers in the world over the next 10 years. And Whiskers, the pet food company, they're helping to to, to promote that. And so we're doing a roadshow around the world. uh, Sorry, not around the world. Around Ireland. A roadshow around Ireland promoting their special packs. So every pack of tiger branded whiskers pet food you buy um, some money goes towards um, the whiskers tiger conservation fund so I think it's a really really good thing mm. and I'll be travelling I'm, I'm going to Clare Hall on Saturday then Douglas on Sunday the next the week on Saturday I'm going to Drogheda to, to Tesco stores where we're promoting the, the tiger conservation fund so I, I, I think tigers are the most magnificent creatures and they really are just big versions of our pet cats mm. big slightly dangerous versions yes. of our pet cats <laughs> key <laughs> difference there and the fund itself, what you know, what will that money be used for to try and uh, generate greater numbers of tigers? Basically, what what they have is there's a, there's a number of tiger sanctuaries around the world, places like Nepal and China. Um, I think they've got twelve different locations, and what they're doing is they're um, they're putting in conservation measures in those locations, making sure that human activity is limited, making sure that there's there's um, less chance of tigers being taken by poachers um, mm. basically doing everything possible to maximise the breeding of tigers in the wild in those areas and by doing that they are you know they're going to double the numbers so that's that's great more of that stuff please indeed Pete thanks many for coming in to us Pete Weatherburn there we'll be back with the news